Today's episode has been brought to you in part by nothing. No sponsors. No sponsors whatsoever. We are not here to sell you anything. After that fake ad read that just happened, I'd like to uh, welcome everyone to the show. Welcome back uh, to Recording Progress once again. It's, it's, it feels good to be back. Always is, always is. How have you been? Well, I've, I've been doing good. I uh, I picked up um, some books today. Um, oh, feeling nice good. I got a smoothie. I feel great. Ooh, Ooh excellent. I respect that. I really respect that. Yeah, I've been having quite a busy day myself. Mm. Probably have a lot more to talk about on what I've been doing this weekend another day. Mm. So, so, now that you're back, apparently we've had a lot to talk about since the first part of our tabletop episode. Yeah, we, we kind of left off and we didn't even touch a few things. And we kind of, it was... We have we have some room to to keep going. We've got a lot to work on today. Where question is though, where do we start? Where do we end up, and where do we begin a part two, if we will? So, if I remember, we left off on like uh, experiences in the game, in the which game? for me yeah. was was very lackluster, having been a very and a very new thing i've started doing yeah i think we both really didn't have many stories outside of just more humorous humorous nights or days around the table i mean a lot of the humorous events that happened were um were just me messing around um so like (laughs) um there was um thieves camp is the one that comes to mind right now, for yeah. those of you who don't know, Thieves Cant is a special writing or language used for thieves, kind of like the shadow runes from Skyrim, where they let you know, oh, this person's loaded, steal from them, you know, stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, we, we had fun coming up with a lot of weird lingo for thieves can't and of course that we would throw like naruto like like jutsu signs and all that other fun stuff we oh like, yeah uh, yeah we we got we went a little far with it so it almost sounds like you're basically conjuring up your own twists on already pre-established portions of the game I think Perhaps. in the book it it, it, it it would allow you to throw gang signs. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a thought to think about: high fantasy ninjas throwing gang signs to ogres. This sounds hey, like a Shrek reboot waiting to happen. He's like, "Hey, yo, wrong, wrong territory, fool!" And then pulls out like a. You come to the wrong swamp. <laughs> so, although you can't really, they don't really have. So you'd have to like, instead of like a. A Glock. He pulls out like a, like a bow and arrow, <laughs> like a crossbow. Like a crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
He's like, like I would have shot you if I had a bolt right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be, be something I'd have to write one of these days. Uh, I feel like there's a lot you can do with those things. Yeah, idea. because, you know, once you decide that what's offered to you by the books isn't enough, sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. And this is where we start getting into the beautiful, weird, and wonderful world of homebrew. Truly a bizarre thing indeed. Um, Yeah, homebrew. Sorry, that was a really dramatic pause for no reason. It's kind of awkward. We're building up so much suspense. Yeah, like... It's perfect. Homebrew. Are we really starting to homebrew? Yes. Oh, boy. Because at this point, much like everything else... It all comes back to homebrew. So what have you homebrewed in your in your campaigns? In my campaigns, I know in my steampunk campaign, I homebrewed a lot of... I homebrewed Clock Tower Dungeons. Mm. It's something that I wrote into the steampunk campaign. Because I thought this would be a really cool idea. Which is how a lot of homebrew will start is, huh. This is a cool idea. How do I put it to mechanics to make Mafia work? Yeah, I I found myself... So my first game, I'll admit, was not D&D. Okay, it was actually the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. Now, um, in this game, they don't. you don't have to roll um, to find out you know, what numbers you plug into the table to find out what your modifier is, right? Yeah. Instead, it's a it's a point-by system, right? So you're given a specific amount of XP to buy it, right? And then you get your, mod, your, your mods. And most weapons will be so much plus your brawn, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really where um, the homebrewing started for me because I realized... Once you understood that you, we, I just skipped over the reference table in my game. Um, I could homebrew, I could cross homebrew anything I wanted. So of course, the first thing I homebrew was, um, was uh, Occam's not, uh, sorry, Malik's razor is it from Skyrim, where it has a chance to just instantly kill whatever it. it it, it does damage to. Sounds about fair. Now the thing is, is in the game it was easier. This is this is an example of bad homebrew, by the way, because you essentially gave your characters a lightsaber before they earned it, right? In the game it was Star Wars, so you already had lightsabers. But it, it, you could, yes, you could kill a lot of things pretty quickly with a lightsaber, but there, it's still a video game. You still have health to chop through first right well mm-hmm. where where it felt was obviously giving my players a chance to just instantly kill anything of course so I that it, it, it failed really badly hmm, yeah I think that's just how it goes with a lot of first time homebrew is that it, sh- it doesn't end well <laughs> I think I had sort of a similar story because I played mostly Dungeons and Dragons so when I was starting to write stuff, I started realizing that, man, there's just some ideas that I can't find in the books. I write it down. Next thing I know, 
I try and actually run the thing. And yeah. worst case scenario, look back to last week's uh, cartel story. White, white windowless carriage. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. The war flashbacks are kicking in, but no. I homebrewed something almost on improv because I was like, oh, yeah, let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be really fun. But no, it derailed a whole campaign into a drug cartel. So, and if you want to know about that one, just look to last week's episode. I for so my my go to system, my 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 home set system, right? My 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 first setting was narr- a narrative dice system, right? Where instead of numbers, they had symbols, and so it there was a lot less maths to do, right? There was a lot less math rock and more, you know. There was a lot more rule of cool mixed with common sense, right? There was a lot of, well, this symbol means something bad happens, and then you kind of give it to the players, and then they do something absolutely horrific to themselves that you didn't that you wouldn't weren't even gonna do, right? Yeah. Um. So I never had an issue with this system because it's it's it just made in sense. its vanilla state it's deadly to players characters which we refer to as pcs um for those of you who don't know right player characters yes so it's it's already pretty gritty it still has like the you know right, you're downed make some saving throws ish it's a it's a different system basically you, you kind of like I said, it's more deadly, so it's still really you're still in a really bad spot. It's not as easy to get out of the death spiral as it would be in for five E, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so guns ha- are the only thing I've had to homebrew into fifth edition, where they're not they don't already expressly have good rules for it, right? Yeah. It's very open-ended. And I have no idea how well my homebrewing is going to do for this, right? So I, I can't really speak on, you know, guns, per se. I've done a lot of off-the-book stuff, though, that wouldn't... You couldn't... You can't really consider to be homebrew, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Well... A lot of my steampunk campaign was also done in homebrew. And uh, sometimes I'll even use other written homebrew in some campaigns. Like, I made a druid character that was also a fisherman. Mm. A lot of fisherman stuff in my RPGs. They're just cool. So I had to use a homebrew fishing rod build to Mm. make attacking somebody with a fishing pole work. I see. Because the whole point of the character was, yes, I can turn into dolphins and assault you with a fishing pole. I am better than you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it was fun, and I really miss that character. I can see why most of your other characters emulate him, too. That's not yeah. calling you out or anything, I'm just saying. It, it, um, I like that concept, so I stuck with it. I'm just saying, it's not a right and easy TV show these days. Take one character concept and just duplicate it. 
duplicate it and give it a different skin, right? Kind of like Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker or um, any other, (laughs) you know. Or any character voiced by Mike Myers. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll have to do a follow-up bit, right? We'll have to do a, uh, a, a keep the viewers up to date on our future endeavors. Every oh, now totally. and then, like, just cut away a certain point, like, like a less, you know... Do, like, a segment of the show. Write this down. Those of us in the non-existent studio getting 30 cents an hour. I'm just saying it, <laughs> it'd be a good idea if we, like, maybe if we have a lighthearted episode where we don't really have any, like, hard points to cover, we, uh... We just cut to that for a little while. We, we give them an update on how well... Um, it's going because right now I'm working on uh, one thing I am homebrewing right now is what I call a gunpowder mage. Oh, do tell. And so essentially, it's adding like Napoleonic era weaponry and guns mixed with a little bit of magic, of course. Yes. Into 5e, which doesn't have many rules for gunpowder right yeah even though they have like one section in the dungeon master's guide which isn't even the best gun system i've ever seen Hmm. so that's my homebrew project i'm working on right now um and it's i think it's coming together great it's not overpowered and it might it's setting us up for some interesting encounters. Encounters, yeah. Just because a part of it is a mindset. Now, I could have done an artificer, which is a whole nother can of worms we can get into later. Oh, yeah. But I like the idea of a gunpowder mage, so I'm probably going to continue on with that. That would be interesting, yeah. I mean, other than that, I'm going to actually start hunting back down on one of my campaign ideas of making like a slasher villain campaign. Hmm. If something isn't already there, I want to start writing in some new weapons rebuilt off of other weapons. I feel like there's already some games like TTRPGs um, that are like slasher stories. Like you could probably go do pretty well with the Arkham um, Asylum or Ooh, yeah. uh, HP Lovecraft Call of Cthulhu games. Oh, yeah, Call of Cthulhu. And they're not Cthulhu. all just, you know, about that character either, so. Yeah. I mean, I might even, because I know, I'm pretty sure it isn't a thing already, but, you know, start writing scythes into the game. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, like, like the Grim Reaper looking thing. Yeah. Sickles. Sickles, excuse me. Scythe, sickle. It's a sickle. Yeah. See, the issue is, is sickles and size and game like one d four damage. Yeah, that's true. Which is the best? It's the it's the crappy triangle die. I mean, if I'm running a if I'm running a sickle, I could do I could do something with it. I'm just thinking maybe. 
You could probably add some modifiers. Okay, so that's where a lot of people mess up, by the way, in homebrew. Is this is my opinion? Is the modifiers? You can you can make a pretty decent weapon with just you know the damage dice, right? And yeah. just looking at a late. But it's the modifiers that make or break a homebrew weapon. Yeah, I mean, even if I start writing in stuff like two-handed attack bonuses, mm-hmm. this is just a concept. Yeah. Because, you know what? First things first, you got to start with the concepts before you get down to the nitty-gritty and how it works with the tools of the game. Now, for those who don't know, can you explain attack bonuses real quick? Attack bonuses. Okay. So, there are a few certain types of attack bonuses that can be done. So, first things first, I'm going to grab a set of dice just while I'm talking about this. So, let's say you're attacking with a weapon that uses a D8 as a damage dice, which is a eight-sided die. Right? Let's say we'll take a D8, the D20. We're going to be using D20 system for this little lecture. Mm-hmm. Welcome to a welcome to a professor's corner here. So let's say you say we'll get what we like to call a natural twenty, where you roll a twenty in game. You'll get that. You'll get what's called a critical hit bonus. All right. Or instead of rolling the single D eight for your damage dice, you get to roll two. So you get chances at more damage. Other things that can affect your damage include something like proficiency bonuses, which means your character build is really good with a certain type of weapon. Like, let's say you're playing, we'll go a paladin that's really good with long swords. If you use a long sword, you'll be doing extra damage with the plus, usually it's a plus two in fifth edition. Mm-hmm. These are just a couple examples of bonuses. You can also get them through upgrades or whatever the DM wants to put into the campaign with weapons. You just got to make sure you don't do something like we'll take that longsword, for instance, it's a D8 die. You get too crazy with it, you could end up with something like a 1D8 plus 4. That's ridiculous. In lower level circumstances, if you want to go overkill on weapons, save it for later. Yeah, I think that's where I made some mistakes, though, is oh. what I ended up doing is I gave them um, nice weapons way too soon. Oh, yeah. And so I basically had to create, like, larger health pool, you know, bad guys to be able to... To balance it out, yeah. 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 So you're saying these, these, these sickles, these sides you're using... Yeah, because I'd want to do something like I'd want it to look kind of like, you know, the typical Grim Reaper, that sort of deal. That'd be cool. Like, sure, you can do a one, the one handed attack and use something like a D4. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go with a two handed move up to. I'll decide between a six or an eight. Later. Mm. and give it like a plus because it's either I do just move it up to the D8 or do like a D6 plus and a one or two because yeah the, you're, you're watching creation of homebrew in real time with uh, your ears 
guess this, this is just how it goes. Sometimes you just got to talk it out, write it down on paper. So to anyone aspiring to start doing tabletop, one of the best ways to do it, just start talking to people about what you're writing, what you're running, what you're making. This is free advice, people. <laughs> one of the way, uh, the one of the ways I'd end up making a really bad weapon into a semi-decent weapon is probably just add one or two more dice, just so it's a little. If if, if that's going to be like their main weapon they want to use, you might want to litter your game with a couple good versions of it, right? Yeah. However, one thing. This is a tip for anyone who finds themselves as a, at the player's side of the table. Us DMs like to mess with you, right? Not not out of malice, but out of is it can be genuinely fun. Oh yeah. So, do you know the legend of the the farmer Bob's pitchfork? I do not. So do I had a carrot. I had somebody want to play Scarecrow, right? And they wanted their weapon to be a pitchfork. Well, the issue is pitchforks don't do much damage. I think they do have a stat in game, but it's not very good, right? Yeah. Well, here's the issue. Um, I started littering the game. Well, here's the funny part. I littered the game with a bunch of high-level versions of pitchforks just for that, just to be nice to that character, you know? Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny to 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 give an MP, an NPC, um, a non-player's character, a scythe that was really overpowered because not a scythe, but a pitchfork, because you know what. What what monster aside from maybe like a giant like hog creature demon thing from like returning to the west is gonna be carrying a giant pitchfork, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, there's this there's this there's this farmer over here that that um he's just you know a non-descriptive farmer character. I'll just give all the farmers all the good weapons, right? Oh no! You see where this is going, right? Uh, this is going down a scary path. I can feel this it. This is going down a very terrifying path. Yeah. Well, the huh? Do you know mm. what a mob is? Yes. Let's just say my play, my characters, my players, pissed off these farmers. They were supposed to buy these pitchforks, but you know they decide burn the scarecrow. You know, they went all children of the corn, you know, uh, you know, they went all uh, Lord of the Flies on us, right? Grab the pitchforks. And then they they proceeded to run down all my characters, and that was my very first TPK. Oh, boy. That's always fun. Yeah. So that's how it goes. Don't mess with the chickens or the farmers. Because you'll be dead in an instant afterwards. That's just that's how it goes. But now that we've educated 
our high caliber audience on just about everything to at least get people going, get people on the right track. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, now what do I need? Is What do I need to play this game? Now, it may not seem like the most important thing so far, but do be warned, it's way more important than you think. So, Enlighten me. I, I don't know this. I'm new. Okay, let's start. So, once again, I'm going to be talking about this if you're wanting to start in Dungeons & Dragons. So, before we get into any of the books, we need to start with something very simple. You can get it for even just like a dollar or two. We reach into a drawer and you pull out a pencil. Oh, or a pen. okay. We're, we're, we're see, already off to the races. Because you see, the pencil, the pen, the, pencil. the writing utensil is a very important piece of equipment in the game. Because you see, all your stats, all your loot, if you're using XP in a game, XP, mm-hmm. any notes of lore, any combat encounters, initiative tracking, whatever it may be, it needs to be written down. So, boom, you get yourself a pencil. You get yourself uh, a pen, maybe. Uh, I got a pencil. pencil. Now, I, I got one of each and, a, and some paper, I'm going to assume is the next one. Yes, paper, very important. We'll get to specialty paper in a minute. Specialty paper? Oh, well, as an, I'm, I'm doing this for the benefit of the viewers because I do know a lot about... Um, Yes. Drawing and paper and thickness, and different paper. textures, you know, which papers you're going to want to use for like watercolors, oil, you know, etc. I'm just. We're hyper playing... intellectual about our paper here at Recording in Progress. Oh, very much so. I, I, I'm playing the, the newbie for the benefit of the viewers, so just be advised. <laughs> We're doing a service. So, next, once you get some, maybe even buy a notebook for taking notes through the campaign. On the I, have an old, I have an old math book that I never used. <laughs> no, that works. <laughs> like a lot of uh, school textbooks, they go completely uh, underused. I almost didn't pass algebra. Anyway. <clears throat> Anyhow. Next, once you get your pencil and papers, you're going to need the set of dice. Typically, you can buy sets of dice in a set of seven. Usually, right. they'll come in multiple dice with different numbers of sides. All in right. a normal set, you'll get a four-sided die, a six-sided die, an eight-sided die. You'll get two ten-sided dies, one marked zero through nine, and the other two zeros to 90. You'll get a 12-sided die and a 20-sided die. Typically, mm-hmm. that is the set you'll need for playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons in something called the D20 system. And thus began a lifelong addiction that I never saw coming. Buying lots and lots of dice. Lots of math rocks. <laughs> math rocks. Uh, would you believe me? Would you, okay. I, I, I can't, okay. So today, I, believe it or not, alongside, so I got some books, some game books. I got a different, I got Pathfinder First Edition, I believe. And I I got Kings of War Second Edition, maybe? Because um, they're in the used book section, right? Yes. And then I picked up some math rocks, some nice ones. Um, so I, I, I have some. I already have some more math rocks that I, 
I mean, now my I, question to you is: <laughs> How many sets are you at? Um, uh, since I'm so new at this, I've um only got like two or three. Okay, hold on one second. <laughs> See, the issue so, is, is, I have been different types of sets. So if we're talking um, D twenty system, like five E that you could use for stuff. Um, two, but I have, see, the issue is I collect, I started a collection of, of tabletop RPGs, so I have all their specialty dice as well. Oh, boy. So, altogether, I could have maybe eight things no. of dice, maybe? Possibly. Yeah, I think right now, on full set, I'm at five, purely in D&D, 5e. Maybe. Because I put all of my stat points into playing 5th edition. <laughs> okay. As it goes. But now, anyhow, now that you have your dice, your pen, and your paper, we get into the spicy stuff. Deeper down the rabbit hole of things you can get to make your game experience a lot better. We move from plastic and into paper. Mm. Where we talk about, as you brought up earlier, the books. There's mm. quite a few books that a person can buy for any tabletop game. And more coming like, out all the time. Oh, all the time. There's always going to be stuff in print, and when new editions come out, those will get... In a, it's just an endless cycle of printing new content. But we're going to start... I'm going to use D&D as the main one here, with the three main books. The big three. What's referred to uh, as the player's handbook, what is usually the core rules... And what you'll need for just about every core rule in the game. You'll uh-huh. get stuff like creating your character step by step. You know, choosing the race of the character, class of the character, personalities, equipment, customizing, rules in the game like ability scores, movement, combat, spell casting, and lists of statistics and reading. And in a lot of cases, you'll even get a free character sheet alongside it. Those very are always cool. nice. Very cool and very viable for photocopying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro tip: I was about to say, photocopy them. Make just you'll always have a spare, have a spare one, just so you can make copies. And PDFs are dope. Not of like the same character, but like you know, blank oh, ones blank so you character. can create more. Yeah. Now, the second book I will be talking about in the big three is the Dungeon Master's Guide. This is for when you want to start pulling the strings of an adventure. Now, this boy, this bad boy right here, the Dungeon Master's Guide is what you'll need. Once again, the, the 101, maybe even the 201, depending on who you ask, of creating worlds, multiverses, whole adventures, NPCs, mapping dungeons, and running your game, rules of the table, and mm. creating a lot of things like monsters, spells, magic items, new characters from scratch. Crazy cool stuff. Um, now, another... So let's. I would like to speak a moment about alternative sources for... Um, or this for sort of thing, content. please do. So don't... My friend here is, like you said, put all his stats into D&D. But um, I must warn you, uh, well, um, I 
didn't. Which means I and, and having collecting them, be don't feel free to to not do the mainstream stuff because there are just as many entertaining systems out there as there are the big two, which are like Pathfinder D and D, right? Yes. Now, um, PDFs can be printed out and turned into booklets. Highly recommend, especially. Yeah. If you're like me and you get a lot of watermarked PDFs from like drive through RPGs, one page rules, all oh, those good, all those good places to get cool settings and, and ideas and systems, right? Especially helps when you're on a budget, which we'll get into here in a minute. Because it's, then the third book in the big three of this sec of the first of the big two mm-hmm. is the monster manual which basically gives you the stats and information of a very large selection of monsters that you can run in campaigns. Very simple book. Hot take, not needed. You don't necessarily need it. You know, I agree with you. Really, all you need is the handbook and a DM guide. Because the DM guide also has... um, The DM guide has some monsters and stuff in the back as well, I believe. Yes, it does. And so, yeah, if you're looking to get into it and you want rule books and guides like this, you really only need the core rules and maybe a game master guide of some kind. Now, remember, because we are a river to our people, including the corporations that make this, you can often find a very rock gut basic version of the rules online. Yep. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, yeah. About also, you can PDFs online are much cheaper than buying the books. Oh, that, absolutely! Because that being said, the Dungeons and Dragons books—they're fifty dollars a piece for the core books. Yeah, they often come in these core sets. Now, feel free to just go ahead and get either the the monster, the player's book, the DM, GM's guide, or. You could go even cheaper, buy them used, or buy them on PDF. So just for those of us on budget, you know? Yeah. Always got to look out for the fellow homies on the budget. Because people spend do spend a lot of money on a lot of books. And oh, having, yeah. having been, you know, just dipped my feet in the pool, definitely a money sink if you're not careful. Absolutely. There is definitely a danger in this tabletop world, especially when you get into a probably what I feel is the biggest money sink in tabletop. If you ever go down this road, which before I go into it is completely optional. If you ask me for mm-hmm. quite a few games, miniatures, because mm-hmm. holy crap, miniatures can get insane. Okay, just okay to give you some perspective. Um, you probably if you are fellow, you know, collectors or grew up similarly to me. Um, feel free to make like paper card, you know, uh, no post-it notes, you know, paper those those cards, those little like uh, like the recipe cards. Feel free to just draw stick figures on that or even like if you're like me if you want to play if i if you have this some 
reason, some urge to play TTRPGs on the go or like when you're camping, like feel free to use like M&Ms or, you know, Skittles, right? And then yeah. once you kill that bad guy, you eat the Skittle. It's so much fun. You're like you don't have to. You don't spend... have to think into miniature figures. Yeah. I think the only reason you'd want to do that is if you want to stream your games and make it look extravagant. Terrain that, is also a second if we're in the same vein. Oh, absolutely. A lot. I mean, you. I know something that if you want to lay it out on like, like on a few pieces of paper, like the dungeons or something, feel free. That's very easy to do. You can draw them up on some paper and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But there's so much. Like I was spoiled. I collected Legos when I was younger, right? Yep. And I might even get back into that if I'm not careful, right? Oh, jeez, yeah. Um, my friend who I started um, playing the game with, we all brought our own little custom. We, we tore apart our favorite Lego characters and made our own custom ones and then put them in a game, right? Yeah. It was the easiest. Like, it, you, I'm surprised not many people do that anymore. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too so easy like my some of my like my some of my players they bring their own mandal like they like to play mandalorians in the star wars game right yeah i've had i've had a run too right and they each had their own like i was like hey if you have something at home you want to bring for your to represent your character bring it and they brought their their man their custom mandalorian character that's like a mixture of like clone armor, stormtrooper armor, and like a Mandalorian helmet, right? Well, that's cool. Yeah. So many options with Legos. And you can get very creative. I mean, sure, you can even be that guy who brings whatever figurines <clears throat> you've got lying around. Like, you bring up to the table, like, I could just walk up to the table and just bust down a Godzilla figurine and go to town. That's my character. <laughs> it is a dragonborn mm-hmm. warlock. So I, I I'm waiting for the day for somebody to bust down an old like superhero like figurine like we're gonna do heroic size right be the one guy who just brings in meme characters yeah like Shrek yeah, you... like Peter Griffin mm. <laughs> that'd All be right. funny where were we we were talking miniatures like and just every way you can not buy them well and there's also 3D printers now, but that's an investment. And that's that is an investment, and you can, and also if you're a little bit more tech savvy, you can design your dungeons online and guide everybody that way, and use that as your dungeon map. There's a lot of sources for 3D versions, 2D. Um, I found a guy online that made um, isometric maps, I believe. Yeah. Ooh. Um, his is called. Ah, hopefully, that audio didn't come in. I have another tab open. It's called Crow Map, uh, Map Crow. Sorry, and he he does a lot of map draw. There's a lot of sort, lot of people to give you inspiration online with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And the last thing I'd say is part of the core pieces needed more for the dungeon masters, game masters of the groups, is some kind of a barrier between the stuff you have written and created and the players like a dungeon master screen yeah because you know you don't want anyone seeing what you're working on and it's kind of the last piece of the puzzle of the table 
Yeah. And you know, keep it with the rest of your stuff. Keep everything nice and tidy, you know, as you no, do. No, you don't need to get like those expensive, you know, dividers. Oh, no. However, they are a tool. They are very nice. Very nice. Um, and I bought one for ten dollars. I yeah, I got mine with a set, right? Yep, that's how it goes. Um, so the thing is, is uh, we uh, one of the ways I see people doing it, um, is because you get all your your cheat sheets all hooked up, right? You could easily get like a giant notebook and just read out of that, and have little like tabs wherever wherever you need to go. However, that is a complete. That's a different style of gaming where it's very yeah. open. If you're, you can't really mess with the dice, which we haven't actually talked about, is DMing well, styles and messing with the dice. Yeah, we can break. I mean, shoot, that's a whole thing altogether. For that, actually, be kind of fun. Why not? Because then, last thing I'd say on this topic of tools, since we are in a very high tech age. Using digital sources is highly recommended. Yeah. I know what I do when I was DMing for a while, I had the screen and I also had my laptop mm. up and active. Fellow typing DM here. Yeah, just <laughs> cyberpunk DM running nothing but a laptop. Trust no, never mind, I can't say that on here. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Using nothing but a laptop and two half shells of an Xbox 360. I will be that guy. Speaking of tools, um, there's you can now use your phone in this. Oh, like if you yeah. have like a tablet or a phone, um, there's a lot of stuff where um, your phone can read a code and then have a 3D model pop up through your camera phone, like that. Like what was it that that Pokemon Go a while ago was real popular, like yeah, that reality. Yeah, like, and actually, speaking of that, there's that's a whole nother can of worms because there's a lot more of those GPS games now. We'll talk about that some other time. But write that down. Write that down. Write that um, down. <laughs> you can you can use just about everything to at your disposal. You uh, like get creative. One basically. of my first games I ever did, we used whatever we had on the table to make terrain we didn't have we we didn't have proper things like you there's also you can get really you can go really cheap really expensive it's really up to you and your players um on how you want to do it on how you want to do it for me personally um i was fortunate in one of my starter sets i got for my Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG before I I can't find any of the starter box sets anymore. They came with these tokens that had all the the minions, the bad guys on them, right? For that mission. And it's very easy to recreate those. Um and those were those there's a for me I still use them. I don't um, have many miniatures. I do have. Um, Actually, I have one set of miniatures that I haven't even painted yet. Yeah. You, you also have to paint them yourself. So that, that's a whole nother 
chunk of change right there for the paints. We could talk like about we could talk about the hobby side another time. That'll be um, for that'll be for another day. Yeah. Now it's time to move on to bigger fish to fry. And you brought up DMing styles, and this mm. actually this is something because I've played with multiple people running campaigns their own way. Yeah, and I'll start this with the question. How do you like your DMs to play the game, to run the game? Well, see that—that's one of the key things. Is you've already discussed, you've already mentioned two of them just in that sentence. Are they players? Are they playing the game with you, or are they running the game like a referee? Yeah, right? that's two different mindsets you've mentioned that are both viable ways to to, uh, to have the game, right? Yeah. Um. So, I like my DMs. I like to work with them. So, as a player, I like to... I try not to, to add too much to their worlds. But then again, they did make a world for me to run around in. So And they're giving you a chance with your character to create a backstory. And that comes with a certain amount of adding your own spice to the game. I like GM tool who will take that and use it. Yeah. We'll take these bits of these these hooks. Like, hey, here's my character. Here's its flaws. Here are the the people he doesn't like. They do like. Go wild! I'm giving you content so you don't have to really you know strain yourself over making yeah. something completely you know homemade, right? Yeah. It's quite nice, actually. Yeah. Um, I have not met a DM to actually that actually had actually used it though, or had a chance to, I should say. See, I wish that was the case. I mean, there's. I mean, I had the same thing too, where I really didn't have anyone do that or mm-hmm. play into backstories, into a lot of a lot of what players will write. I've tried to do that before. Like, I really would love to try that again. Because mm-hmm. it works. Because if you're asking me, I've DM'd a couple campaigns myself. And I would want your take on this, too. Would it be fair to say that a DM should work alongside the players to make the world that you're building a more enjoyable world? I think if we're just doing a straight, you know, not to confuse the audience right away, right? If we're doing right. a straight game, I think working together makes a very enjoyable experience. Absolutely. Because you've set all the expectations. Everyone gets their moment to be the cool heroes, you know, doing all to the be, cool stuff. Right? To be the real guy of the hour. Um, and if we're all working together to that, Everyone slowly becomes the side character, right? Because the side characters, to me, are almost more interesting than the main characters, right? They're the ones yeah. propping the 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 main character, the hero, up. And when you have a cast full of side characters, it, 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 everyone becomes the main character. It, that's kind of cheesy, but it, 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 I'm sure you get what I'm poking at, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I... What was it? Jazz 
from Michael Bay's, you know, um, Transformer. I like that character. He died, though. But he was my, I like that character. I like the side characters. I don't yeah. want to be the Luke Skywalker. I'd rather be Boba Fett or Han Solo or Mace Windu than the Paul you know, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from here. And if you have a cast, if you go in with that mindset, they're almost more unique and cooler than the main character. And then you have a cool, we got all these fun characters. Ensemble characters, yeah. 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 So I wish it would work with that. Yeah. Well, a DM should be able to work with unique characters. Yeah. But. A DM should also, I know this is something that I've had to struggle with myself, is trying to match alongside multiple different play styles of the players. Because there's definitely going to be those days where, Mm. you know, so it'll, you'll wake up and decide, Mm. you know what, I choose chaos today. Are we talking about the the ever, the legendary, the legend of the, the murder hobo? Yes, the legend of the murder hobo. Someone decides, you know what? We're going to go with uh, World War murder hobo today. I so don't for those care of if us it destroys the world. World War murder us, hobo. So for those of us who don't know, a murder hobo is somebody who, well, to, to get to put it in a more positive light, they got off a really hard work shift and just want to have fun killing stuff in the game, you know, they want to mow down a bunch of enemies, you know, they, they, it'd be the type of day you choose a, a, like, Left for Dead over, like, um, Last of Us, right? Yeah. Choosing Left for Dead over Tetris. Yeah. It, you don't want to think. They just want to, they, they have a hero, he's got a sword and a shield, and they want to kill something. I don't want to listen to the, to the shopkeeper to list off his 101 books on 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 uh, farming and agriculture, right? I want. I'm going. To, you know what? It's taking so long. I'm going to kill the shopkeeper. That's right. I'm throwing us headlong into adventure. And this adventure is we're wanted fugitives now. Ha ha! We're going to run from the cops. This sounds like fun. That's a murder hobo. Yeah, because then you'll get days where it's murder hobos, or days where nobody knows what they're doing. Or days where everyone's Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Because if there's something that I've learned as a DM, and this is what every aspiring DM should learn too, there's balances you have to find with everything. Mm-hmm. You don't, like, I know I've learned my lessons from my first campaign, but I try to do it in my second campaign, the steampunk world, mm-hmm. is that you need to find a balance between making it too open-ended and too linear. Because if you run something too linear, you might as well just be playing 4E. Yeah. Instead of something like 5th, where you can be a little bit more open-ended. But you don't want to be so open-worlded that you'll end up with cases like a drug cartel. Yeah. And and, uh, one of the ways around this is the classic Suicide Squad route, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a a glyph war of warding on the characters, and if they don't do what the guy says, they die, right? Or in my case, they get a, a lovely little uh, Disney World wristband that blows them up if they don't, you know, 
it's like, don't move right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a more mean way you know. of doing it. But you can be yeah, it's really a threat that you never call upon. Yeah, I know that's what I sometimes roll with with the sometimes just keeping the big monster that's just way too overpowered. Yeah. I'm just like you really feel like fighting this right now, then get a move on, please. And of course you don't nerf it for them. Oh, of course. That's just how I mean that's just how it is though. Being a DM is a learning experience whole way through. Just your first really... time. Sorry, Everyone what? will say, "Don't TPK," and TPK is like team player kill or whatever. Like uh, killed like you killed the team, right? You kill all the players died in one go, right? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say something contrary to that. I'm gonna say try to kill your players the first time. Because you'll end up going too easy, and then you end up in the spiral of making things too easy all the time. So there is an element where you do need to be the antagonist because you're laying the bad guys out. Try to kill your NPC. Try to kill your characters. Try to kill your players' characters. But don't be mean about it, right? You can be cruel about it. Just don't be mean about it. You know, there has to be a clear way out. It's like that, okay, so I know the storyline of Saw, but I've never seen the movies. And essentially, this guy takes vigilante justice way too far. It, it, it's it's not, he's not a good guy at all. But there's always a way out of these sadistic traps. And one of his apprentices didn't do that. And so they got in trouble. You always, you always leave a way out, no matter how unfair it is. Yep. Give your enemy a, a golden bridge to retreat across. Sun Tzu says, you know. We go from horror movies to the art of war. We are truly intellectual. <laughs> intellectual, intellectual. Yes, yes. Big brain hours talking about role playing. So yeah. how do you? Well, that brings up a great question, though. Shoot. How do you create a character that you really want to play that's really cool and awesome, but you know he could die? How, how, should, you, how should you go through a, a character creation with that, with that in mind of the, the world could kill your baby, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll start it with a story then about Personally, my favorite character, that fisherman druid I made. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like to write my characters a little bit older, a little bit more grisly, a little bit more gruff. Mm -hmm. Make them older so it's like, well, if he does die, it'll at least make it seem like a character can die living a full, having lived a full life. That's why I typically write my characters to be, you know, a little bit older. So that way it's like, well, I've I've gone far enough. I've done all I can do. So at least if they are going to be lost in the middle of the fight, it doesn't hurt quite as much because you realize, you know, you may have lived you may have died a little bit too short, but this fictional character has has lived a full life. Now, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Now, my personal my personal hero for opening my my eyes to this form of character creation. 
um, I believe it's Z, uh, Z, um, Bradshaw, Crenshaw, I don't know, it was a, he has a weird name, but, um, he, uh, Z, he, uh, it's great, um, Brashu or something like that, I don't know, it's a weird name, anyway, he, the way I would create a character with this in mind is don't be upset when you don't, you know, don't, don't you shoot for good stuff, yes, but don't be mad about it when you don't get, like, the high scores and, well, that's, that's, we'll get to that later. Sorry, that's a little, sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. So, all good. I go in with with two mindsets, right? Um, and it's all based off of my ability scores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and your ability scores, you roll so many d6, and you reference a table, and it tells you how much plus you get your 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 to your ability roll your main role to whether or not you do jump over that canyon, right? That, that ravine on your way to the, the Holy Grail, right? Yep. Um, if you do duck underneath that, that sword swipe at the right time, right? Well, the way I go about reading it is the way is I don't, I keep all the bad scores, right? Which means I keep all the really good stuff too. I don't try to balance it out. Because it'll inevitably, with my luck, get really skewed, like really strong, like high strength, low constitution, right? Yeah. Which is a which is a modifier in the game that lets you know, like it's your it's your main role to to, okay, you did roll out of the way at the right moment, right? I don't mm-hmm. I don't I take that when I roll it. I don't. So I've caught myself sometimes trying to get the better role, right? Oh, but yeah. I've learned that you can take it so many more ways if you the, you, you opens your eyes up to so a different way of playing of making a character in the character creation. If you keep the role, because then it become it can be a you live one you know you live life one day at a time it's a grisly adventure add some lethality to it you know add some suspense it also makes your your friends characters you know when they save you inevitably right because your character got a really low score and you're you're trying to talk your way out of getting arrested right it lets them shine right it's that side character mentality we were talking about earlier right absolutely yeah or it lets you swing for the fences, you know. It allows you to die a glorious death, you know. You know, I'm a swashbuckler. You know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were surrounded by the 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 Spanish military, and we're we're not making it out, but we're gonna charge out anyway, right? Yep. Or it um, you can be the fool, right? Sort of. Uh, tripping your way through every situation, Laurel and Hardy, you know, Three Stooges style, right? Yep. You could, um, what what was the third one? There was, like, you could, you know, you have a built-in death wish. It's more fun to watch a a barbarian with low charisma. He can't talk well. 
convince an arch lich at the top of the Tower of Doom to con- it's more entertaining to watch that that guy who had to use his fist and his sludge hammer to b- burst down doors the whole time to finally talk his way out talk the bad guy out of you know killing everyone right or or doing the going for world domination you know op- like letting his elder god come into our realm it's more entertaining to it makes it makes the story perilous and unknown, and I find that fun. Absolutely. That was a long-winded explanation of how I do character creation. Oh, it I, was excellent, though. It definitely fleshed it out. I and feel like I did. I did. Yeah. That kind of got my philosophy of these are characters I've written that I wrote legacies in. They'll be remembered for a long time. Yeah. They live their full life. They're like and the they first... a respectable death. They're the first generations of heroes that survived their first few, their first, you know, career in um, their first career in adventuring, and they're now the mentor figure, right? Yeah, uh, it's a character I like to write. Those are fun characters. I always like the the characters, but you know they're going to die, especially oh. in movies. <laughs> That's always the tragedy of it. Yeah, well, you but, know, you rem- but you remember it. Absolutely. I'll always remember some of my more personal favorite characters. I have an issue of picking... Uh, I dub the favorite character and then they immediately die in movies. Yeah. That's what happens for me. Yeah. Every movie, show, anime, whatever. You pick a favorite and the next thing you know, they're dead. Unless uh, it's a comedy. In which I case, won't... we're all dead. Yeah. I won't forgive you, Gurren Lagann. Sorry. Anyway... Oh, Mm, that's that's gonna be for another day. <laughs> uh, full Metal Alchemist will forgive you. Anyway, um, hey, 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 we're not here to talk about our trauma. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Edward, Edward, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, and, jokes for everyone. and speaking of trauma, we must now sadly call it here. Close our books and realize, holy crap, we have gone on on this incredible topic. Thank you for joining me on the show. We didn't even get to world building, though. We did, did we get? We didn't, right? No, we didn't. Uh, oh, man. That's just so much. Part three. Part three. Or we come back another day. And that was part two. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Recording in Progress. If you like the show, follow it on Spotify. Because now we're signing off. <laughs>